Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Saturday, June 13, 2020. On this day in 1977, 26-year-old sister Roberta Robin Elam was raped and brutally murdered on the grounds of her own convent. Though the crime occurred in broad daylight and well within earshot of the Mount St. Joseph's convent, it remains unsolved. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the murder of Sister Robin, a novice who was attacked while contemplating the decision to become a nun. Let's go back to June 13, 1977, to Wheeling, West Virginia. It was only 10.30 in the morning, but Sister Teresa was already aching for a second cup of tea. As Teresa poured the boiling water into her waiting mug, Sister Robin bounded down the stairs into the convent kitchen. Robin was buzzing with energy this morning. When Teresa greeted her, she gave a quick, sharp wave. Sister Robin was a new addition to the mother house, the main living quarters at Mount St. Joseph's. Not yet a full nun, she'd spent the previous two years traveling around West Virginia, teaching adult religion classes in Appalachian communities. She left the road behind in the fall of 1976 to try convent life at Mount St. Joseph. Teresa knew better than to ask Robin what her morning plans were. Sister Robin had begun participation in a silent retreat. She was to spend 10 full days in quiet prayer and contemplation. At the end of this period, she would choose the direction for the rest of her life, to leave or to take her vows as a Catholic nun. Robin grabbed an apple from the table, dropping it in her bag as she strode out the door. As quickly as she had appeared in the kitchen, she was gone. Sister Teresa didn't know it yet, but she was the last person to see Robin Elam alive. As she began her walk, Robin could hear the sounds of the golfers hitting their balls through the trees. She climbed the small hill just north of the convent, which was bordered to the east by Spidell Golf Course. The hill was a special place to her and many of the other novices who underwent the silent retreat at St. Joseph's. At the very top was a small meadow with a simple metal bench that overlooked Wheeling. It was a peaceful setting, the perfect place to pray and reflect on the life-changing decision before her. Robin sat on the bench, her prayer journal in her hand. Today, as she had for the past eight days, she was asking God for guidance. 
She knew she wanted to live a life of service to help people and make the world a better place, but she wasn't quite sure if the convent was her path. She could do so much good with the sisters, but she would be cloistered in the convent. She would have to give up her love of traveling, as well as any hope of raising a family of her own. Even after days of reflection, she was still torn. Sister Robin was writing these thoughts down in her prayer journal when the man attacked. He came up behind her on the bench and quickly knocked her unconscious with a blow to the head. He pulled her to the ground, knocking the metal bench to the side. He carried Robin's unresponsive body 40 yards away to a thicket of grass where it would be more hidden from view. There, the man sexually assaulted Robin on the hilltop in the place that had always been her sanctuary. He then wrapped his hands around her throat and squeezed hard, crushing her larynx. Not long after, at 2 p.m., the convent groundskeeper stumbled onto a grisly scene. On top of the hill, hidden from the convent's view, Sister Robin Elam lay face up in the grass. Her skirt was pushed up and her pants were pulled down to her ankles. The purple bruises on her neck told a horrific story. Robin had been strangled to death. Up next, law enforcement struggles to discover who killed Robin Elam. Now back to the story. On June 13, 1977, the quiet solitude of Mount St. Joseph's convent was shattered when Robin Elam was brutally raped and murdered. The Ohio County Sheriff's Department had never investigated such a heinous crime, but they were determined to identify the culprit. They began by examining the crime scene. Law enforcement quickly found what should have been their smoking gun, a small amount of blood left by the attacker. Since DNA analysis was not yet available in 1977, they used the sample to eliminate suspects by blood type. In the first days of the case, law enforcement ruled out hundreds of potential attackers, including the golfers playing at Spidell that day, the priests that frequented St. Joseph's, and the groundskeeper who found Robin's body. But after two weeks with no new breaks in the case, the Ohio County Sheriff decided to call in some help. The West Virginia State Police and the FBI descended on Wheeling to help catch the killer. The three departments worked in conjunction to establish a profile of the murderer. The defining question of the case became this. Was it a random attack committed by a stranger, or did Sister Robin know her killer? Sister Robin led a very sheltered lifestyle while at the convent, and most of her interactions were with the other nuns. She had no enemies and was well-liked by the people she met. In addition to this, the hilltop was a very risky place to commit a murder. It was a popular spot for spiritual reflection, and novices from Mount St. Joseph would often pray there. It was also within earshot of the convent and the golf course. Considering these facts, law enforcement believed Robin was likely killed by someone unknown to her. The murder was not planned. It was a crime of opportunity. 
Though no one saw the murder occur, officers hoped someone at the convent or the golf course may have seen the murderer leaving the scene. Soon after Robin's death was first reported, tips came pouring into the sheriff's office. Multiple people recalled seeing a distinctive car parked on Pogue Run Road on the day of Robin's murder. This road runs between the Mount St. Joseph's grounds and the Spidell Golf Course. The car was a rusty, faded blue Chevrolet or Buick covered in bumper stickers. Law enforcement immediately began searching for this car. They theorized that the murderer must have been driving on Pogue Run when he witnessed Robin climbing the hill. He likely parked on the edge of the road, got out of his car, and followed Robin up the hill. When he saw she was alone, he attacked. The police received another tip about a suspicious man lurking on Pogue Run Road on the day of the murder, and they suspected he may be Robin's killer. They released a sketch of the man, asking the public for help identifying him. The sketch showed a white man in his 30s with bushy eyebrows, a mustache, and a beard. He had dark hair that appeared dirty or unkempt. The police had a suspect's description and a possible vehicle. They even had a blood sample from the perpetrator. But though this case seemed like it should be open and shut, the final linchpin was missing. They could not find the murderer. The case languished and eventually went cold. But after 24 years, a new break finally came. In 2001, former FBI agent Tom Burgoyne was elected as sheriff of Ohio County. Under Burgoyne, law enforcement was able to successfully extract DNA from the evidence still in storage, including the blood of Robin Elam's killer. Finally, they had the proof they needed to identify Robin's murderer. Burgoyne input the newly discovered DNA profile into the FBI's Combined DNA Index System, a database of criminal DNA profiles. He further shared it with almost 200 independent crime labs across the country. Burgoyne waited for a hit, but it never came. To this day, no match has ever been found for the DNA from the crime scene. Until new evidence comes to light, Sister Robin's murder will remain unsolved. Sister Robin was an undeniable force for good, brutally murdered in the very place she felt most at peace. Her family maintains that her lasting legacy is one of kindness, service, and a tireless pursuit of justice. Her brother Chris asserted that had she lived, Robin would have wanted to make a difference in society. Chris said, her deal, if you want to call it that, was always about social justice, helping others, making a difference. She wanted to become a priest. She thought women not being allowed to become priests was just absolutely ludicrous. If she had lived, she would have been an activist. Women's empowerment. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you're looking for more fascinating cold cases, check out our show, Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Molly Quinlan, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 